Good morning, Bethel. Okay, I am going to be reading from the New Living Translation, James 1, 26 and 27. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are just fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. <laughs> Pure and lasting religion in the sight of God our Father means that we must care for orphans and widows in their troubles and refuse to let the world corrupt us. In Spanish, voy a leer de la revisión de la Reina Valera de 1960. Si alguno se cree religioso entre vosotros y no refrena su lengua, sino que engaña su corazón, la religión de tal es vana. La, la religión pura y sin mácula delante de Dios el Padre es esta, visitar a los huérfanos y a las viudas en sus tribulaciones y guardarse sin, man, sin mancha del mundo. Wow, no matter how you read that text, it stings either way. It stings either way. All right, Sophia is going to pray for us. Would you bow your heads in prayer? Yeah, Brother James doesn't pull any punches. Praise God. Pray with me, saints. Father, we love you, and we are a grateful household this morning. As we rehearse all that you have done for us, Lord God. We are justified by faith in Jesus, called according to your purpose, predestined to be conformed to the image of your son. And with unveiled faces, scripture tells us, beholding the glory of the Lord, being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Thank you for Jesus, Lord. Thank you for the cross and thank you for the blood, Lord. And Lord, as your servants proclaim your word today, we pray that we would not harden our hearts or become dull of hearing, but would go on to maturity, Lord God. You said, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Lord, help us to cling to the hope we have of better things, things that pertain to salvation, O oh God that we may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit your promises, Lord. Mm. And Father, we lift up our beloved city of Gary, Lord God. Mm. In light of recent headlines, Lord God, we pray a hedge of protection about this city, Lord. Yes. Praying that our churches and this house in particular would boldly and unashamedly, Lord God, proclaim the gospel of Jesus as the only hope for what is ailing us, Lord that you would go before us and open up opportunities to be present and intentional with the gospel in this community. Even as you are using Awana, Lord God, we pray that much fruit would be born, O oh God, from that effort. We pray that people all over this city would be amazed by you, that your love, wrath, justice, and mercy would be known in this city. Father, increase our burden for Gary, that our love and growth in the gospel would produce a desire to see lives changed. For your word declares that by the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted. Lord, we look to you and you alone for deliverance. You alone are the great shepherd of the sheep and our physician, O oh God. We pray your kingdom come, your will be done in Gary and on earth as it is in heaven. We pray it all in the powerful name of Jesus, and by his divine authority, we say amen. Amen. Praise God for that. Thank you, sister.
Can we also put our hands together for those in the sound booth that work so faithfully week in and week out? And also for our worship team as well, who worked so tirelessly to serve us. Well, I was glad when they said, come and let us go to Bethel Gary to hear the word of the Lord. Amen. Interest in spirituality has been booming in recent years, while interest in religion plummets, especially among millennials. More than half of young adults in the U.S. believe astrology is a science. The psychic service industry, which includes astrology, a world reading, mediumship, tarot card reading, and palmistry, among other metaphysical services, is now worth $2 billion annually. According to industry analysis firm IBIS World. My question to you this morning is, why is this church? Why the loss of interest in religion? I believe people are tired of being tricked by religion and have decided to pack their bags and continue their search in hope of finding something real. Y'all not going to talk to me this morning, but I'm coming. I believe people are tired, tired of the Christian mirage. Do you know what a mirage is? It is an optical illusion. Imagine you're in the desert. You're lost. You've been walking for hours. You run out of water, and on the horizon, you see a giant, shimmering puddle of water. And you say to yourself, oh, yes, you shout. You're saved. But it is not a puddle of water. It's a mirage. Mirage are optical illusions that have fooled many thirsty explorers. Mirage appears to be something they are not. Unfortunately, this is the religion many churches have offered. We have claimed to be like Christ, but when people get to know us, we are not like Christ. We have appeared to be something we are not. They come to They come to hearts with no love and no patience, no long-suffering. Therefore, we send people back into the desert to explore other things like tarot card reading and hope that they may finally find a real body of water to satisfy their thirst. Christian mirage. And if you're here today and you're tired of mirages, religious, optical illusions? Well, I got news for you. So is the God of the Bible. Our text today deals with the Christian mirage, the religious optical illusions. Looks can be deceiving, but nothing can deceive God. Those who play religious are only playing themselves. Let me say that one more time. Those who play to be religious are only playing themselves. Those who are playing church are only playing themselves. You do know that you can get into church and never get into God. You do know that you can be around saved people and never be saved yourself. This morning, James says, 
If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue. Hold on, let me say that one more time. Let me say that. Let me say that one more time. Let me let it marinate. It's going to sting a little bit. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue. Just keep looking at me. But deceives his heart. This person religious, religious, religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction. And to keep oneself unstained from the world. Did you hear it, church? Well, let me preach it. Let me give you some background first. I know church folks need background, especially when you're dealing with texts like this. I know that's what he's really saying, but here it is. Now, let me, I want to set the context. James is a New Testament wisdom book. And if I was to put it plain, James conveyed to our hearts the wisdom of Jesus. You know that all scripture is about the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus makes that clear in John chapter 5 when he's talking to the Pharisees and he says, you search scripture because in them you think that you will find eternal life, but it is they that speak about me. All scripture is about Jesus. And so all James is really doing is conveying the wisdom of Jesus. You know, James is the New Testament book about works. James is the New Testament books about works. James is all about works. Now, if you don't understand James' point, you can actually misinterpret James or think that James is contradicting other writers in the Bible by preaching a work salvation. But that's not what's going on in the book of James, and I want to be clear about that out the door. James is not writing to you to tell you what to do to be saved. He is writing to tell you what saved people do. Let me say that again because I want to make sure that we're all on the same page. James is not writing to you to tell you what to do to be saved. He is writing to you so that you know what saved people do. It's kind of like my son. When we were going to Wisconsin one time, he said, Daddy, how do we know when we're in Wisconsin Dales? He didn't ask me, Daddy, how do we get to Wisconsin Dales? He said, Daddy, how do we know when we're in Wisconsin Dales? And I said, son, you're going to see large water slides. You're going to see all kinds of promotion to go to the water park. And what James is doing is he's not telling us how to get to salvation. He's telling us how we know if we have arrived at salvation. Friends, the Bible is not against Religion. It is not against being religious. The Bible only has two categories of religion or religious people. Good religion or bad religion. You are either in one or two categories. Hold your seatbelt. You are either part of the good religion group or the bad religion group. And what's the difference? The word religion is found five times in the New Testament two of which are in our text. The word religious is found twice in the New Testament. One of those occurrences is here as well. So as we think of religion or being religious, what immediately comes to your mind? Most identify religion with a particular denomination. I'm Baptist. I'm Methodist. I've been baptized five times. 
and we still ain't got you right. They come, hey, can you dip me one more time? Ain't nothing in the water. If you ain't changed out this time, we ain't got no more water for you, man. You're running up the water bill, all right? We're going to have to charge you for this baptism. <laughs> one who is viewed as religious would be considered, one who is viewed as religious would be considered to adhere to our particular tenet of a specific denomination or church affiliation or some organized faith such as Buddhist or Islam, and et cetera. You get the point. But I think if we're going to understand why the Bible doesn't be for true religion, we must understand the true depth of religion and what it, what it actually means within the context of this passage. When James talks about true, good religion, it is a religion that is first conceived, watch it, church, inwardly and manifests itself outwardly. True religion manifests itself inwardly and then it manifests itself outwardly. James teaches us that all our acts, deeds, and services should result from an inward faith in Jesus. That is good religion. Acts, deeds, and all the kind things that we do that derive from faith in Jesus, do not miss it, is good religion. When we talk about true religion, we are talking about what we have on the inside reveals itself by what we do on the outside. Religious optical illusions are acts Deeds and services that are carried out, watch it, not from faith in Jesus, but by human effort. Optical illusion and Christian mirages are the thing, are the acts and the deeds and the services that we carry out, not by the strength and power of the Spirit, but by human effort. That is bad religion. And are you finding out which category you are in already? Religious mirages disappear when we truly see Jesus, saints. They disappear when we truly see Jesus. Why? Because when we truly see Jesus, we truly have true religion. Because true religion is faith in Jesus. Because faith in Jesus always produces good works from a changed heart. So true religion is knowing Jesus. Let me say it again. Y'all didn't get happy as I wanted you to. True religion is knowing Jesus. I wish I had some saints in the room that knew that when you met Jesus, that fake and phony you faded away. And when you really knew him, you were really changed. And your life and the things that you did were coming from the heart and not because you wanted praise from man. True religion is knowing Jesus. And if that didn't get you, let me give it to you like the Savior gave it to me. Jesus told us in the Sermon on the Mount, watch this, it stings hard, so watch yourself. But don't get mad at me. He said it. Here it is. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, or you know, let me translate it for y'all. I don't get it. Homie, homie, Lord, Lord, will be saved, but only he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will come to me in that day and say, Ayo, did we not do mighty works in your name? 
And then I would declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, workers of lawlessness. Jesus says the way that you know if you're, the way that he knows if you're real is if he knows you. And I would beg to argue that you know if you are truly religious, if you know him. Anyone who knows me, here it is, Chris, knows that I love the flash. I don't know if you guys know that. There it is right there. I love, love, love. I love the flash. I, I run home like a seven-year-old just to go watch the flash. And, and one time, flash had this, this, this time where they step away from the flash show, and they have this thing called crossover. And when they do crossover, they bring in the green arrow. They, 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 they bring in Wonder Woman, and they bring them all in. And it was this one show. They were going at it, but they were not just fighting anyone. They were actually fighting their doppelganger. If you don't know what doppelganger is, they were fighting their twins. And you know what? The evil twin tried to trick the others that they were the real thing. But here's what Flash taught me. Flash taught me something. I'm telling y'all, it's sermons in everything. You just got to watch out for it. I actually learned something. I think I got saved watching it. Here it is. Is that what happened was is that the bad Flash tried to trick his team that he was the real Flash. And how? The did the team find out whether he was real or not? Well, they asked the bad Flash something that only, uh, 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 only someone who's close to the Flash would know. They tested him by seeing if he knew the Flash. And when they asked him the question and he couldn't answer the question, they knew that he was not the real Flash. Friends, I came to tell you that Jesus knows whether you know him or not. You can play church and you can fake all you want, but the day is coming when trials are going to hit you and you're going to have to ask yourself the question that Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? Oh, you got to know him, church. Oh, you can play all you want, but when those storms come and that foundation gets rocked and you're in the hospital and the doctor gives you bad news and the bills don't act right and your marriage is acting up, all that fake and phony stuff don't work no more. You either standing on the rock or you're standing on sand. And depending on what you're standing on, you're going down. But here's the thing. Many of us think that we know Jesus. And it begs the question, how do you know if you know Jesus? It's terrifying to think that we know Jesus and be self-deceived. Nothing is more scarier than to think that you know Jesus and in actuality you really do not know him. But James wants us to be real and assured of our religion. And he's going to tell us how we can know if we know Jesus and therefore prove to be real. So how do you know if you know Jesus? Well, look at the verse. It talks about the, 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 the mirage of false religion. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives, what does it say? His heart. This person, religion, is worthless. The word think in the text really literally means to think or suppose. It speaks of the concept that one has of himself. James is actually speaking to those who think they are religious 
and have, and, and have a fond pre- appreciation of their own religious activities and achievements. James wants to have a conversation with everyone who thinks they are good with God and their services to the Lord because of their acts. Those who think they are doing a pretty stand-up job following Christ, James wants to talk to you. We have to be careful here. Our pride blinds us to ourselves by creating optical illusions in our own hearts. No one will trick you more than you trick yourselves. I know a lot of us, we want to watch out for the false teachers and we want to watch out for bad theology, but what you need to watch out more than, for more than anything is your own heart. The Bible says above all the heart is desperately wicked. I know you say you got a good heart. I know. You know, oh, he got a pretty good heart. That's what you think. Three months later, it's going down. I thought he was good. I had to get away from him. We have all met people who feel as if their lives and services are perfect. We have all met people who think that they are all that in a bag of chips. Can't stand them. Come on, let's just be honest. Those people that you can't tell them nothing. You can't tell them nothing. No matter what you try to tell them, they think they all that. They think they got it together, and you can't tell them nothing. And if you, you can't think of nobody... It's probably you. <laughs> Here's Galatians 6.3. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. How do you discern optical illusions from true religion practically? Same way you did with the mirage on the cereal box. You got to look harder. James says that you got to look at your talk. Do you talk it like you walk it? Oh, right there. I can do something with that. The amigos ain't got nothing on me. Do you talk it like you walk it? If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person is religious. Religion is worthless. We're about to get real in here. False religion can't do anything to change us. And if you want to see where that shows up, First and foremost, James says, look at how you speak. If you say you are religious or say you have faith, but you do not bridle in unloving, lying, gossiping, cursing, angry tongue, then your faith and your religious is worthless. Now, let's be real. Let's be real. We all got somebody on our list that we want to cuss out. Come on, I know we're in church this morning, but you got at least one person that you've been wanting to cuss out for the longest. And the only thing that has kept you from cussing them out is because you got Jesus. You better be glad. You ain't never went home and said, you better be glad I know Jesus. Because if not, I would have gave it to you a long time ago. You know, sometimes it just be, it just be right there in your soul. You be trying, and you know, I be trying to, you know, I be trying to let it go. But sometimes it's just circling. It's just like that GPS. The GPS be like you trying to go in the wrong direction. And the GPS are rerouting, rerouting the spirit, like going the other direction. No, God, let me just get them real quick. I've been praying. I've been on my word. I've been going to church. I deserve at least one cuss out. Y'all ain't going to be real with me. You ain't never said that you deserve one cuss out, Lord. I deserve to at least tell one person off. I've been pretty good this week. We all got at least just one person on our list that we want to let have it. And thank God we are, we are saved. And if you feel that way about your pastor, 
You just, you just hold them words. You hold them words. You heard or you hold those words. Here's Jesus getting at the heart of the Pharisees. Jesus says this, you brood of vipers. Jesus said that. Jesus would tell somebody off. I know y'all like the cute Jesus with the press hair and everything, but this Jesus right here, he called her. He said, you brood of vipers. How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Your mouth will reveal how much of Jesus is in your life. If he's there at all. Fake religious people will do a lot of good deeds in the company of some. They may say all the right things, offering encouragement and generosity. Then in the company of others, there is criticism and judgment. Many times these are never pleased with the works or accomplishments of others. They are always seeking to find fault and point out others wrong. These never seem happy in the service to the Lord. Rather than offering praise and encouragement, their comments seem to be negative and demeaning. It is as if nothing is ever quite good enough. This is due to the glory they want for themselves and not God. If you can't say amen, say ouch. Here it is in the hearts of the Pharisees again. Those who claim to be the most religious, watch Jesus. Matthew 9, 3 through 5. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, this man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk? One of the most revealing things about those who want to put up optical illusions is that they'll do everything they can for themselves, but when it comes to others, and if they get no glory, they will talk down on it because they are not about the glory of God. They are about the glory of themselves. And I've seen people who would do things for, 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 for poor people. They'll do things for the homeless, but they'll do it just so that they can prop themselves up. And you can tell that it's not for God because when others do it, they got something negative to say because their doing had to be, it was all about them from the start. Here it is. Jesus is doing good by healing a man, by having compassion, stepping into this man's life. He's been suffering, and Jesus steps into his life. And the religious folks say, I can't believe. Y'all know how they be. Some of the most meanest folks are in the church. I can't believe Jesus around them. You mean to tell me he's hanging around sinners? He's supposed to be righteous. Standing on the outside of the house criticizing. Jesus called them evil. Why evil? Because they're mad he's stealing their son. At the end of the day, religious folks, false religious folks, don't care about the glory of God. All their deeds are about them shining. And if you listen long enough, you will hear their hearts. You see, Jesus is not asking you to clean up your speech. He knows that you can't do that. If you want to get close to God, we need a new heart, not just clean speech. My question to you this morning is have you received grace from God to have a new heart? 
because this is a fact and there's no doubt about it. Change hearts, change the world. Do you talk it like you walk it? One of the ways to discern religious optical illusions is to see if the talk lines up with the walk. But James is not only concerned about talk, he's also concerned about walk. He's not only concerned about talk, he's also concerned about walk. You can't divide these two, they go together. And so James is helping us to see whether we are real or not. Check your talk, now I'm going to tell you to check your walk. One of these days I was walking in the church, I had a pair of Jordans on. And out of nowhere, all the sneakerheads came out of the crowd like the walking dead. You should have seen it. I was scared out of my mind. They just came out of nowhere. Then one, Jacks Berry, kneeled down to the ground, began to examine my shoe. He voluntarily picked my shoe up off of the ground, and I said, boy, what are you doing? He said, I'm checking to see if these are real. Boy, I got so nervous, sweat started to break out. Because, you know, I was just throwing on some J's. You know, I don't know the real thing. And he says, I'm checking to see if they are real. And I said, well, how do you know whether they are real or not? He says that there are certain markings that tells me whether they're real. I said, boy, put my shoe down. You just helped me preach. What James is saying is that we can tell whether you're real or not because there are going to be some markings that are going to tell us whether you're real or not. And the first marking is your talk, and the the second mark is your walk. The way we discern optical illusions is by seeing if your walk lines up with your talk. True religion walks it, likes it, talks it. I don't know if I said that right, but amen. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, watch the verse, the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. Let me pause for a minute because I want us to feel this. God's not playing games here. He's serious. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Notice the two kinds of effects that pure religion or faith in Jesus has. Number one, it has practical compassion towards orphans and widows. Number two, personal purity of life. In other words, true religion cares about social justice and it cares about personal holiness. It cares about social justice and it cares about personal holiness. And we got to get out of this box that we think that we are religion, r- religious because we can walk in gifts. That's not what James is bringing up here. Are you compassionate and do you have personal holiness? We tend to run in either direction, right? We draw false dichotomy between these two. Either we want to partner with God to clean up the world but refuse to partner with him to clean up our own life. Or we want to partner with God on personal holiness, but ignore all the unholy injustice in the world. But James says true religion does them both. And they are not diametrically opposed. They can't be divided. If you are truly saved, you will strive to do both. 
They can't be divided. They are like a pair of Jordans. Who walks around with just one shoe on? You need both shoes to walk rightly. So let's examine your shoes like Jack's did mine. Number one, true religion has social impact. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to, vo- to visit orphan and widows in their affliction. True religion has a social impact. All throughout the Old Testament, God has these warnings. Watch it. Proverbs 21, 13. If any man closes his ear to the cry of the poor, God will not hear his cry. God says, have you treat the man on the street wrong? You bet not even think about asking me for anything. God's like, don't talk to me. You can't talk to the man on the street, don't talk to me. That's what it says right there. And it's pretty strong language. But why orphans and widows and the poor, God? These are the most vulnerable. Particularly the widows and the children are the most vulnerable. The poor, the poorest and the powerless in this society. And when you care for them, it is not uh, uh, outside of political ways. They cannot repay you. Okay, watch this. Lean in with me. Why is this important? That they can't repay you. Where is God, how is God trying to show us whether we're real or not through this? Because it shows that you're doing it out of agape love and not out of selfish gain because they can't repay you. Real love is not looking for something in return. Real love gives without expecting anything in return. Oh, y'all don't know what I'm talking about? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You do know that God gave his son and he didn't expect anything in return because your broke butt couldn't pay him back even if you tried to and so God had to lavish grace on you and we celebrate it in the cross but we can't walk it out when we see people who can't give us anything. We try to avoid them. We try to run away from them. We try to move away from them. We get in neighborhoods that's far away from them. We get in and, and, and we want bigger houses and bigger cars and bigger this and bigger that. And we have no intentions on giving anything away. And God says, woe is you. Why is this important? Because God has called us to do it. James is saying to us, when you get the gospel, it is going to show up in how you look at the poor and the powerless. If you really get the gospel, if you really understand the cross, you're going to know by the way you look at the poor and powerless. Don't look at, don't look at whether you get the gospel on how you treat people that look like you, that's in the same economical status as you, people that are easy to love. No, 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 don't look at that. Just look at how you treat the poor and the powerless. Come on, Jesus, teach us in this place. And if I had a dime for every Christian I know that looks down on the city of Gary, I would be a rich man. They want nothing to do with this city. They call it ghetto and unclean, although their Savior came from the ghetto. They claim they love it. We'll throw money at it, but we'll not touch it. 
I'm like, do you read your Bible for crying out loud? Do you read your Bible for crying out loud? Jesus became poor so that we might become rich. Jesus became friends with those who had nothing to offer him. And yes, I'm talking about you and me. Jesus gave up his privilege to dwell with the worst. He left the shining courts of glory and stepped down into Nazareth. I don't care what's in your bank account. I don't care how many degrees you have. I don't care how many cars you have in your driveway. And I don't care about the square foot of your home. The Bible describes us as a very poor and needy people. All of us. So when you see a poor person, you're looking at your doppelganger, and that's not an optical illusion. You're just as poor as they are apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. We just need a big dose of getting over ourselves. True religion is calling us to be like Jesus. So here it is again, in case you didn't catch it yet. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be what? Blessed. Because they cannot, there it is, I wasn't making it up, because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Let me pause for a minute. Let me pause for a minute because I really, I really want you to get this. It is easy to come to church programs. It is easy to show up at church. But it is hard to lay down your life and give yourself for the development and upbringing of other people in society that are not like you. It's easy to pray for them. It's another thing when you got to do life together. And hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. It is not just hard for you. It's hard for them too. Because you're just as jacked up as well. So it goes both ways. Number two, true religion has personal impact. We know that it has social impact, but it also has personal impact. On the other hand, you have people who would give the shirt off their back, but personal purity, sexual purity, financial integrity, a clean thought life means nothing to them. Their thoughts and attitudes and goals are like the world. They will feed the poor but treat their wife like dirt, will give, will give to keep people off the street, but will, but, 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 but will not take care of their own children, will help with sex, sex trafficking but abuse porn. True faith in Jesus Christ wears both shoes. He says a true religion visits the orphans and the widows, but it also keeps oneself unstained by the world. It's not either or, but both and. There's a social impact, but there's a personal impact too. And you never get to divorce these two. Now, when James says, let me, let me, let me slow down really fast because I don't want you guys to go to the extreme, okay? When James says, keep one undefiled from the world, because you know you got those Christians that want to move out of planet Earth and go to Mars because they can't touch nothing. 
They can't enjoy no life. They can't do nothing. Everything is just nasty to them. I'm like, relax, brother. <laughs> you fall out. You're tight, man. <laughs> I can't go there, brother. No, nah, I, ain't, I, ain't, I ain't gonna be able to go there, man. It's too much smoke in the air. Man, get out of here, man. He doesn't mean you can't enjoy things in life. Amen? In fact, Christians should enjoy raising their families, going out, kicking it, hanging with friends. He is not saying Christians should just hang around Christians. Listen to all and listen to only Christian music. I know I just liberated some of y'all. Y'all radio's been on 102.3 and 90.1 all your life. Relax, man. <laughs> He's not saying avoid every sinner. You have to leave your own body if you have to do that. We know this is not the case because Jesus didn't do that. Here it is in Matthew. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. Did you catch it? Jesus was kicking it with sinners. He was at their house. They were eating meals together. They were eating Captain Crunch and Fruit Loops and steak and all that good stuff. Jesus was kicking it with folks. Y'all think when Jesus went to the wedding, he was square up in the corner looking weird? No, Jesus was hanging and chilling. By the way, he did turn the water into wine, if you didn't know. Jesus kept the party going. And what old boy say? I usually say to get a best first. Boy, Jesus, boy, boy, you my boy right there. Hey. And they said they seen his glory. It's, it's funny what wine will do. You have to be careful. You start seeing things. All right, let me get back to this for I go too far and, and have y'all let Cooper's Hawk for y'all leave here. But Jesus kicked it. You see, Jesus spent time, and he was even called a friend of sinners. So what is James telling us? Uh, telling us? He's telling us to be separate in the world, not separate from the world. We live in this world, but, we, but we're separate in it. We're different. In fact, as we grow in Christ and true religion, we will choose and want to conform to godly things. It's a desire that ought to well up inside of you if salvation has taken place on the inside. A desire to be like God should be something that is automatic for the Christian. We should desire to be patient. We should desire to have self-control. We should desire to be loving, and we should hate what is evil. Pure religion is not forced, but joyfully walked in. Let me say that again. True religion is not forced, but joyfully Walk in. I figured you may struggle with that, so I brought another illustration. You guys know that I got a two-year-old daughter. God bless my children. They always help a brother preach. Thank you, Lila. I owe you some money, but I appreciate it because Lila is two years old. And if you know anything about a two-year-old, two-year those who are two toddlers, they like to get into things that they shouldn't get into. They like to crawl in things that they shouldn't crawl in. They play in things 
that they should not play, and they eat things that they should not eat. And so me and her mama had to get together and figure out a solution. And so what we did, we started putting locks on the toilet and gates in certain rooms, and we locked the cabinet where all the cleaning supplies was because Lila wanted to get into things that was not good for her. Friends, that's what religion looks like. It got to put locks on the outside because you ain't been changed on the inside. And so religion has to control you on the outside. They got to put locks everywhere and they got to put laws everywhere. But here's the thing. Now, I got another daughter. She's 14 years old. Her name is Kyla. We ain't got to put locks for her. We ain't got to put gates nowhere. Why? Because she doesn't have a desire on the inside to eat dish detergent and play in the toilet Friends, what I'm trying to tell you is that when Jesus get down on the inside, you'll need less locks and gates on the outside. Because when he changes you from the inside, he frees you. Oh, y'all ain't with me this morning, but I came to tell you that we serve a Savior who doesn't just change the outside, but he cleans the inside of the cup. The thing I love about the gospel is the gospel doesn't just make you look good on the outside. The gospel doesn't just give you new church clothes. The gospel doesn't just give you Christianese language. The gospel gives you a brand new heart, a heart that sets you free from sin, a heart that says, I once was dead, but now I am alive. I got gospel that says I once was lost but now I'm found a gospel that liberates us so that we are free not free to sin not free to play in the toilet but free in a way that we understand that real joy is not in the toilet it's getting real A gospel helps us to see a real joy and real pleasure is not in the world. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we understand this gospel, it reveals itself in the way we talk and in the way we walk. But I'm afraid that many more people would be free if they would wake up from their optical illusions of thinking that they're saved. Can I put it to you like Harriet Tubman did? She said, I freed thousands of slaves, and I would have freed a thousand more if they knew they were slaves. Friends, this morning, God is calling us to examine our hearts and examine our lives and to ask ourselves, are we in true religion or are we in bad religion? And don't answer that quickly. Examine your walk and examine your talk and ask your coworkers, what do they see? Ask your wife, what does she see? Ask your children, what have they seen? And whom the Son set free is free indeed.